Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn. That's me, joined as I am each week by media executive and snappy kit dresser, Grail Hallett, and by the 80-year-old sharecropper of a man stuffed in a 30-something-year-old's body, OTP producer and Syria ah, snob, Sam Griswold. Today on OTP, we catch up with OTP regular senior editor at Soccer America, Mr. Mike Wojtola. Uh, always great to get caught up with Mike. Some great articles he's been uh, writing, as uh, there always seems to be. Every week in Soccer America, we're going to dig in a bit deeper on some of the stories. One on Sergino Dest and another on Hansi Flick, uh, who's really got Germany playing well. But uh, guys, I had a great time this weekend in Boston at the Comedy Festival. I performed my one-man play, Fear of Heights, uh, kind of a full house, um, except five. All went well, except for five extremely drunk women sitting in the second row. Uh, And finally, one of the audience members, a very distinguished-looking woman uh kind of late 60s maybe got up and said ladies ladies get the fuck out get the fuck out you're ruining this show for everyone and they all stumbled out so uh they didn't get a refund so i'm happy with that so guys um good weekend i'm back in la now um mike Wartola, our guest is on the west coast i'm on the west coast so we're like we're doing this a little later today so this is better for us mike um guys what are you over today and over the ball before we bring in mike and start talking about the u.s men's national team and all other things soccer related guys uh, i up. am Grail? over yeah i'm gonna go first uh i'm over mexico being sore losers I just feel like, uh, you know, in, in the last two games that they lost, the U.S. and Canada on the trot, were just indicative. There's always some, there's always some little kerfuffle that happens at the end of the match. They're unhappy. They start the pushing and the shoving. And I'm just like, guys, show a little bit of class. Shake hands and get off the pitch, please. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think the, I talked this before with uh, Ali Moreno about cultural differences within the game. And that's one where um, – you know, even I don't like when people all run up to the referee and surround him and it's like it just shouldn't be able to to happen. I think right. one thing I've noticed though with the US Mexico teams, they're not there's not the hate there that was there before. There's still still some cheap stuff going on off the ball, but um, you know, not what it used to be. Remember, uh, you know, some of the crazy stuff that uh, that was going on. So anyway, yeah, but uh, yeah, but mild mannered Bert Halter came out and made a point of saying how much they hated each other. Right. Well, he's trying to build it up and yeah. he's trying to talk to the team about he wants them to have respect and they're not respecting yeah. you and go out and play hard. I think that's just motivating players. But uh, but I think you're right. There's always something. Well, that guy almost pulled Aronson's eye out. That was a, that was a nice one. Um, <laughs> Sam, what are you over today on Over the Ball? Yeah, I'm going to keep this short and simple and echo a lot of people. Oh, you're going to be the opposite of Grail. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm simply over the fact I was unable to watch the Jamaica game because it was on Paramount Plus, which I don't have, and uh, Universo for um, the Spanish language, which is also not part of a basic cable package with the sports uh, package included. Uh, So I was out of luck. Yeah, this is the difficulty with watching soccer these days. It seems like you need one of those Ovaltine rings, one of those Dakota rings <laughs> to figure out where you're going to watch and how. Um, but, you know, look, a couple of things to talk about that. One, ESPN really got a lot of people mad that Twitter sphere went crazy, uh, you know, when they delayed the game because the college football game was on there. Um it just felt like old time soccer where the NASL game started right at kickoff. There was no pre 
you know, preamble before the game. So they only gave it 10 minutes. And I just think like yeah. such a world cup qualifying against Mexico and they don't give it its due. It's just whoever, you know, put it on one thing where we can watch it and just, uh, you know, give it its due. It was really kind of annoying. I, felt I like love the college 76. Yeah. I love the college football announcer doing the game saying, well, if you're looking for the world cup qualifier, we're going to be joining it in a few minutes. And I'm like, why aren't we joining it now? And a couple of things. One, you know, the, the other game, the Jamaica game was behind a paywall. And then, you know, last week on the show, we talked about Fox having this new big, you know, record signing deal with, uh, you know, trying to take so many of the games. So hopefully this is being answered because Fox is throwing some money at it. So uh, maybe we'll be able to watch it. So um, but one thing I did notice was uh, another frequent guest on the show, Grant, Grant Wall. Uh, he basically just said on Twitter, he said, oh, geez, you know, getting a lot of feedback from, you know, my listeners that uh, they're very angry at ESPN. And then Taylor Twelman, who couldn't let it go, just, you know, tried to slam Grail because of uh, Grant. You know, cause Grant, I mean, um, you're Grail. Yes, yeah, Grant. And, uh, you know, so they kind of had a back and forth. So it was a little interesting Twitter <laughs> war there. So, uh so anyway, I don't think uh, – and then, Sam, I think you had some comments about watching it on Univision. Yeah, I, I mean, these are – these are. this is the Mexico game I'm referring to. Um, I, I just thought it was an interesting experience. I mean, I, I often watch on Univision, but I don't know if I've watched a U.S.-Mexico game on Univision. Um, okay. And you know, They the were first, nonpartisan, right? They were totally nonpartisan. Well, that, that, so that's the thing, right? I mean, you're watching in Spanish, so sort of immediately you kind of think this is this is like a Mexican broadcast of the game, but then right. it's not. I mean, this is a channel that's based in New York and just happens to be in the Spanish language. And I was first alerted to this one. They cut to a replay and, you know, they, they superimpose like the shield of the U.S. men's national team on the thing. And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is actually an American broadcast of this game. And then they have Marcelo Balboa in the booth, who's a former U.S. men's national team player. Chelo, chelo. Um, and yet, you know, it's still hard not to think that you're watching uh, a broadcast that's slightly leaning towards Mexico, um, not only because of the language you're getting, you know, ads for the best Mexican tequila. Uh, you're seeing Liga MX ads at halftime. So I don't know. It's it's, it's interesting. Um, but that's their it's, but that's their audience, Sam. Their, their audience is ninety nine point nine percent Latino, and then the one percent is Sam. Yeah. yeah. Like no, I'm just I'm just saying that's every all the messaging is going towards that audience. So the and if you don't get enough of the Latino messaging on Univision, you can get yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm not complaining about that. No, no, I'm just saying it's inter- like I'm sure there are Spanish speaking, uh, you know, U.S. men's national team fans. But I would think the majority of people watching were probably supporting Mexico. But that that's, you know, no, I think you're right. I think you're right there. All right. So let's bring in uh, Mike Waitola. Mike. Uh, senior editor at Soccer America, you hear our ramblings here, our complaints about the television coverage and uh, and everything else. But uh, what are your feelings overall about uh, the latest spate of games that the U.S. Well, the couple of things on what you guys just mentioned. One is the, um, you know, the Mexican team losing its composure, which if you remember the, the Nations League uh, win by the U.S., a 3-2 just spectacular game. I mean, I just so much of that win had to do with the, with the composure that the American players had yeah. while the Mexicans were falling apart. And mm-hmm. it really surprised me that Tata Martino has not done anything about it. Um, it, it It's just so obvious. I think any of us that spent a lot of time around the game, whether it's refs or coaches or players or journalists, it doesn't work to lose your composure. It just never, never works. And it's just such a, I can't believe that they don't have the leadership that says, you know, 
look at you guys. Let's watch this. Let's watch what you guys just did. And, and you know, uh, you know, does, you, your mom's watching this game, you know. Right, right. <laughs> but but if you're not going to do it because uh, you, you, you have some self-respect and, and respect for other people, and certainly you, you should do it because it will help you win. Do it. I mean, you know, uh, keep your composure. Um, let me also say something about the Spanish language television. I mean, I'm, I'll always be fond of, of, of Univision and Telemundo because uh, that's how we so, saw so much soccer. Um, and now it's a way to see soccer in some of these games that are behind a paywall. You can still see for free. Right. Uh, you know, in 1998, the U.S. clinched its World Cup qualification beating Canada. In Canada, I believe it was 3-0. Uh, and uh, if you were watching that game live, you're watching it on Spanish language uh, television. Mm-hmm. And in conclusion, <laughs> meaning, meaning it wasn't on ESPN or Fox at all. Yeah, it was like delayed right. or something. Yeah. Oh, uh, to be uh, clear, I, I was not, I love the Spanish language broadcast yeah. and often prefer to watch it. I just want to make sure that's clear. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, uh, it, it, it was it, it, Spanish language television for soccer fans has, has always been just a wonderful thing, you know? Right. But it's a different, you know, look, my whole thing is it's the Spanish. If you speak Spanish, you're watching Univision. Even some of us would watch the games anyway. But my old beef is that there is such a Latino influence. We've always argued we wanted more Latino influence on the field. You know, you guys have been talking about that forever, Mike, at Soccer America with Paul Mm -hmm. and Gardner and yourself. It's like uh, one thing I love about this team uh, it's so diverse. It's awesome. Yeah. It's what America is, man. It's really great. They're Hispanic players, black players, but you know, everything. So it's well, uh, the, the, the issue with um, you mentioned what, who's watching those games on uh, Spanish language television. And mm-hmm. uh, we did an interview recently with uh, Roberto Abramowitz, who uh, is a New Yorker who grew up in Mexico city and has been in soccer media, Spanish language media, indeed um, for about four decades. He does the, um, play by play for NYCFC, um, and, and very in tune with the Latino community. Yeah. Um, and he he says that non Mexican Latinos uh, pull for the U.S. when hmm. the U.S. plays Mexico. Plays Mexico, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Several reasons yeah. because of all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Well, I yeah, because all those countries dislike each other. So, right. Well, it's. I don't know if dislikes the in soccer terms, it would be, you know, wanting the favorite to fall. And, and, and I mean, Roberto did say that they, they have the impression that they don't get respect from Mexico and mm-hmm. you know, Mexico doesn't get respect from South American countries and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's, uh, um, but I would say overall, it was a really exciting window of world cup qualifiers. From, oh yeah. It was, you know, the U uh, Mexico losing twice the U S um, I believe played its most dominating game over Mexico in World Cup qualifying ever. I don't mm-hmm. don't recall the matching Mexico in possession, um, and I think that's for a. I think why that happened is that the U.S. All, often tries to out hustle Mexico, and certainly in this game, as Bearhalter announced before, he wanted to make the game as fast as possible, uh, pressure um, Mexico. And the difference is from the past with this crew of players is that the U.S. now has players skillful enough to play at that high pace. Right. High pace soccer without the skill is just can be a disaster. Um, and right. they really, you know, they put their passes together. They they played well. It was a 
it was quite a it was quite a victory. For yeah, the they they kept possession, they maintained uh, spacing. It was just it was really wonderful to watch, and that was a team that was not hanging on like we had in some years in the past. You know, with athleticism and and everything. Just like you said, the hustle. Uh, this was a team that was composed. Um, you know, and played well and, and they're so young too. It's, it's amazing. So, so just go back to the television thing real quickly. And these guys, I'm a broken record with this thing for years, Mike, we fought the whole English thing. It only had to be an English accent to be authentic. And now it seems like American television. We haven't really found our legs. And now it's just uh, almost everybody that's a, a host is uh, Latino. So it's sort of a, a, a bilingual, bilingual thing. And it seems like they're trying to get that audience, but that audience is already watching Univision. So I, I don't know. Um, uh, My, you know, when I watch soccer on television, I have a very simple request. And that is play-by-play, -play, announce who has the ball. Color person, shut up until the ball's out of bounds. Mm -hmm. You know, that that... I cannot stand people speaking over the game, like having someone behind you talk at a movie theater, right. um, you know, good play by play. And that's why uh, if Anders Kantor is on a channel, then I will listen to him because he tells me the players' names. Um, you know, I, I've, I've watched games in Europe and Germany where they would just have one person doing the game, which was terrific because if you have one person doing the game, then he or she's doing play by play and only talking about other stuff when the ball goes out of bounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a couple people who talk right through and it drives me crazy. I'm up standing and they go, shut up in the attacking third of the field. And they're, you know, and they're talking about the story that they started 30 seconds earlier. It's like, you know, let it go. It's timing is everything. It's like a through, like a, you know, timing your run, man. So uh, Grail. Yeah. Mike, uh, welcome. Always great having you. Uh, so I saw a stat that said um, the U S has not won consecutive matches in eight World Cup qualifiers, which I thought was very telling because it's it's as as uh, great as I thought the Mexico win was, and I'm with you, I thought it was maybe the best uh, performance ever against Mexico. The letdown after, you know, following that with Jamaica, I just feel like that's a little bit of what this team is, is they get the big result and then you're expecting them to kind of put the foot on the neck the next game. And then there seems to be kind of a... a, a slippage and i'm just curious what your thoughts are on that yeah i believe that's a reference to back-to-back uh, -back games in the same window um yeah yeah i mean i guess that's why i th thought i i wasn't super disappointed in the jamaica game um i didn't think that the u.s was horrible um i thought they had come out strong they you know could have been a little more creative at the end um I, it's just hard. I mean, usually what happens is every, all the teams in CONCACAF will do that. Right. And, um, take points away from each other. Right. Um, you know, I, I think one, a lot of it has to do with balancing your players from abroad and your MLS players and the, and the travel, um, and Jamaica, Jamaica was kind of interesting in that game. On the one hand, I kind of thought they were, it looked like they were happy with a tie, didn't it? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, so but the last four have been ties, I think, right? Or the last four games, they in the final round, the US only US has only been beaten Jamaica down there once in the final round of qualifying, you know, the, yeah, the ties. Um, so you know, I, I definitely was hoping that that would be a win because I think it would be not only to spare us the nail biting, but 
to clinch as early as possible so that the European based players don't have to do the extra travel at the end there. You know, I think, uh, you know, and, and the youth of that team, I think is tremendous. And I did a story on, on Walker Zimmerman, who, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's quite a good, he's a good defender. And and obviously he's well known for being a leader. They need older players. Yeah. And he's, um, yeah, he, he's only, he's 28 years old. And what I think is fantastic about that, he's in his prime, is if you look at a number of teams in the past, whether it's Germany at the last World Cup or Mexico at the last World Cup, um, you, you have coaches with an inclination. They know they need to have a veteran. They know they, know, they, know they need to have veterans around, uh, the guys that can kind of discipline the players, who can have the coaches back. But what will happen in the past is they'll bring in these guys who are past their prime. And that's a problem. Right. France won the World Cup because they were believed in young, young players and then they had a good good mix. Um, Bearhalter's got it now that he's got some, um, you know, some some veteran leadership that's in, that's in its prime, like like Walker Zimmerman and and um, and just, you know, thinking again you, at the ages of these guys, uh, you know, you look at Musa, who's 18 and Pepe, who's 20. Yeah. Uh, no, Pepe's 18. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It. McKinney, who, you know, who who we had as, a, as MVP of these games, because if you look at them, there was a difference between when he was on the field and when he was. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's 23. Um, Unbelievable. Uh, Tim Way's 21. That's pretty amazing. Way really came at it on this one. I, I didn't I'd seen it in spurts and starts, but this is when I really saw him put a game, some of the games together. Uh, I was really pleased with that. And Zimmerman. He's been in the wings sort of for a long time, but every time he's gotten in, I think he's done well. He got hurt, I think, this past summer. Well, it's an interesting story because he got captain the Bruce Arena in a, in a friendly against Jamaica uh, in 2017. Went like a year without playing a competitive game. You know, um, played um, captain some Gold Cup games. Kind of been in and out. This was the first time he played five games in a row. Before that, it was the first time he played four games in a row. He played well. Um, yeah, and... Um, you know, I, I think a relatively re- refined defender. I was kind of prejudiced when I first saw him. I expected mm-hmm. him to be your classic kind of uh, athletic, uh, you know, tough, strong defender. And and he's a guy who um, he's co- he was coached by a, a Portuguese coach um, in in Georgia. And I think that you can see that influence. You know, because the Portuguese history, like the Italians and the Spaniards, are pretty technical defenders. Uh, so here you have a guy who's relatively technical. He reads the game well. And is just athletically incredible, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he might be. I think you have to say he's a world class header of the ball. He really <laughs> he is. I mean, he's a monster in the air, man. He's a monster in the air. And I, I saw a lot of the guys in Mexico and Jamaica were like uh, talking to the referee, saying, "This guy's crazy, man. He's, he comes flying in, but he stays in position." Uh, and then you know he distributes pretty well too. So uh, he doesn't I think foul much either. No, yeah. no, not at all. It's well, it's clean. Although they got fortunate on that header in the 86th minute or whatever, because I've looked at that play like 10 times. I could not see a foul. Really? Because I thought that yeah, I didn't I didn't see it. The replays weren't good, but the referee was in a really good position. Call it right away. And the guy did come on his you know, over his back. Back, yeah. And on his yeah. hands on his shoulders, I that think. Was, too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a foul. I mean I didn't see it. There was, no. but again, that's where VAR would have helped, which we've already covered. The I don't know, like Mike said, VAR didn't really have the angle, and the, I did wear the 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 referee was right there. So, um, you know, and there, you think about it, Zimmerman hadn't lost a ball in the in the tournament, you know, in the in the qualifying, and so there he loses that one. But 
Uh, so something was up. Anyway, yeah, I think the, we got uh, lucky because because Jamaica could have scored a couple goals there. Well, Jamaica had a handball appeal, although I probably wouldn't have called it. Yeah, because uh, um, the arm was really uh, up against you know, his body, right? Yeah, yeah. He pushed that yeah. shoulder. He put the shoulder in the way. Uh, that was a tough, tough non-call too. I, I don't know what I. Well, and then the, the one guy blasted it over from about six yards out. That was yeah. probably the best chance they had, right? So, yeah, so, Anthony Robinson's the only you know player that I really thought disappointed. It was um, bad. This his his touches were, were horrible. Well, he's you know, never he, had a great touch. I don't think he's ever had a great touch, but he's got wheels on the and nothing was sort of uh, as well as he did in in the Mexico game getting down uh fields and opening things up um it wasn't happening in jamaica i, I started really- to get the sense that the opponents just don't mark him because they figure he's just gonna give it away it and out the other side because yeah. what makes him remarkable is how often he's on the ball he's constantly yeah. attacked he's on the ball a lot but then you know the frustrating thing of just not hitting a whether it's a short pass or a long pass he really struggled with that um you know, I I do think he, he he's just close to like being an important player if he just uh, you know, and then, and then it got worse at the end when he you know dropped yeah. the ball out of bounds and everything. Um, but again, you know, this is a game they played without Gio Reyna and without Sergino Dest. And if you look at the qualifiers so far, you know, you, you didn't have Pulisic for a lot of the games. Um, you know, yeah. didn't have Gio, we haven't had Gio Reyna for a while. Um, so, uh, so things look good for us, uh, you know, hopefully um, the next round uh, they can be back and we can get a sort of a, a vibe on what our World Cup team would look like if we qualify. One big surprise, Mike, uh, is Canada. Uh, we've always have, I think it's great for soccer, you know, I mean, to you know, we've always had Mexico to the south, but now we have Canada to the north. They, they play well. They look good. It's really interesting because, you know, Canada hired its women's coach, John Herdman, to coach the men starting in, in 2018. And he's a he's a British coach, but the reason they're so successful is because they finally become less and less British. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Frank yeah. Yallop admitted that when I uh, interviewed him earlier in the year, who you know, British Canadian who coached the team in, in, in a qualifier where they didn't do well, and and and, uh, right. and in two where they failed, and the, the guys were playing in Scotland and England, and the coaches were all British influenced, and. Um, you know, if you look at that team now, the, the, the lineup, besides, you know, obviously Alfonso Davies in Germany, you know, they got players playing in Germany, Turkey, Belgium, France, Greece. They got players, their heritage is, you know, the parents or they were born in Colombia, Portugal, Argentina, uh, Ghana, um, Jamaica, Haiti. You know, it's one of these examples of, um, and a lot of them grew up in that, you know, soccer hotbed immigrant community near Toronto. So, you know, everything's kind of come together for Canada. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think they're the best team in, in CONCACAF. I don't think that's, you know, disputable right now. Mm-hmm. Wow. Strong words from a strong man. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I've been bashing Canada for about three decades. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's time to kind of reverse well, that a well, little bit. It's also bit. great leading up to the world, to the, uh, the 26 World Cup, having all three teams competitive, right? Uh, as the hosts, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, the U S now is, you know, the formula is to win at home. Mm-hmm. All right. Grail, you have a question? Sam. All right. 
Sam. Yep. Oh yeah. Mike just talking about your, your player ratings, like you mentioned a little bit. Um, you know, one thing I noticed is you don't give the coach a rating as uh, some people do, but I'm curious if you, if you had to uh, for Burhalter for these last two games, he wants to uh, maintain access to Burhalter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not that so much. I mean, look, it's, it's hard to put numbers on the players and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and um, I, I think you do that really well, Mike. I, I do, don't know what I don't know. I don't know what your I don't know what your your methodology criteria? is, but well, yeah, but it, it works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, soccer is a subjective game. Everyone knows that. You can look at a play. You know, you can look at you try. You know, you can focus on bad things and good things. Try and balance it. Yeah, I think Bearhalter. Um, I don't think there's a lot to criticize about. Um, especially these last two games. I mean, certainly you beat Mexico like that 2-0. There's nothing. Um, I don't know. You know, I I can't think of something that he should have done differently in the Jamaica game. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, he, you know, he has to be careful with Pulisic. I mean, the, the, the uh, his injury, he was out for a long time. He's had a history of injuries. Um, if they had played him more against Jamaica, I think, you know, good chance they would have beat Jamaica, but he, he needs to heal a hundred percent. You know, every decision made about him and his health, I think has to be for long-term, you know, yeah. So, but, but I'm because we're all concerned. We've talked about it on the show before about just how, how he gets hurt. So he's, he's thin, you know, he's uh, one of those players that, that uh, I just hope it isn't, endemic of what you know what's going to happen for the years coming up because he's such a great player so yeah um, i mean he, he part of it is that he's you know his playing style he's going to get fouled a lot um yeah. because of partly because of covid um he, ga- more games are getting squeezed into a shorter period of time yeah um so but yeah no i mean they the, the federation obviously has a first class medical staff and I, I think they're very you know smart about taking care of the players you know, they just, uh, you know, if you listen to Twitter or even on Facebook, the, the criticism of Burhalter started from day one. It's just endless. And a lot of it's clueless uh, people saying things. But I mean, this record is really good so far. Um, you know, he's taking this team along. You can't please everybody. In fact, it seemed like he was pleasing nobody for a long time. The only criticism I could see was that one game where he subbed, what, seven guys in. The next the Panama game. game. Yeah, Panama game. So there was not much rhythm there. But I understand it where you're trying to keep guys fresh. I don't know. Uh it's it's a tough damned if you do, damned if you don't. So um yeah, go ahead, uh Grail. Yeah, Mike, this may be the, the fastest question I've ever uh, asked you. Stefan or Turner? I think Turner, right? I don't know. I I don't know. It's a, it's a, kind of a subjective thing. I I I, I mean, Turner didn't have a great game uh, in one of them. Um, I don't the, the, I, I chalked that up to field conditions at that game, too, uh, because he's a great shot shot stopper. I was really surprised that Stefan uh, started this last game. I thought Turner they talk about, you know, they talked about Stefan being better with his feet, although sometimes he makes me nervous. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that goal, I mean, yeah, it was a super great goal, but it, it was from 30 yards out. He should have I, had thought that. Tur- yeah. I thought Turner would have stopped that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting. You know, no one wants to go, 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 go through the Keller Friedel thing again, but um, yeah, that one I think was a little, little trickier because how good they were both were. 
Yeah, but I, I think that shot was a, a bit of desperation at that point because the U.S. was controlling everything so well and uh, seemed like we were going to have a f- 4 nothing game on our hands, and that just completely changed the dynamics. But that's one of those, that's one of those poking of prayers. I mean, you ta- you're taking that from 30 yards out. That's exactly what you're hoping for in the best-case scenario. Yeah, and I don't want to take away from, from the shot. I mean, that was... Yeah. Yeah. That was and and Antonio is one of the best strikers, has become one of the top... 10 strikers probably in the world. So you're yeah. talking about a world-class player. Right, right. And he's just giving it a wrap. Hey, so let's talk a little bit about, so you're over in Europe uh, a couple of weeks ago now, right? And yeah. Well, you did a story on Sergino Dest. Uh, you were hanging out in Club New, speaking Spanish. Castillo. Yeah, yeah I, it was a vacation, but I convinced my wife and uh, some friends we were with to go to the game. And uh, it was remarkable because one is that it was like, uh, I think every single MLS game has a, more vibrant atmosphere than the really? new did that day. It's a very, very quiet sort of crowd. They did, they had 50,000 and it was, um, you know, this is right before uh, Kuhlman finally got fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dest had been moved to forward. Uh, Dest, you know, he, he got injured before this window um, and it stayed in Barcelona while they're going through all their changes. Uh, one, one thing that was interesting that I, the sense I got was that and Dest wasn't grouped in with the Dutch guys that the, you know, that the Spaniards weren't that high on that they, you know, probably figured that they, they were the, the young guys that the, it was because of Coleman. They, and, and they actually consider him, you know, even though he was, he grew, he grew up in, in Holland, they do consider him an American and, and, and his big benefit is that he's young um, and that he's versatile. If he, right. you know, that he can go back and play outside back. He got unlucky uh, in the classical. He, you know, missed a chance. But um, she, you know, he. It'll be real interesting to see how things unfold at, at Barcelona. But you know, he, as we saw in the uh, October window when I thought he was the MVP. You know, he's a terrific player and, and the dribbling skills that he has are, you know, so important for the U.S. Oh, yeah, he creates headaches uh, out there. And with Huea, I mean, that's the one thing I've seen about the U.S. is just the amount of speed uh, mm. that they have and uh, how the difficulty that the, the Mexican players had keeping up with it. Uh, Jamaica was more physical. Um, and I, I didn't see I, it, maybe the field conditions or something, but the speed wasn't exploited as much as it was because Yedlin, Dest, um, you know, Wea on the outside, and uh, and Musa, man, he's got a uh, that flypaper foot, man. The ball doesn't leave his foot. He maintains possession really well. So, um, so so you checked out that, and then you had a great article on Hansi Flick, who's uh, come in and uh, Germany's playing well, huh? Yeah, you know, Joachim Löw was a great coach at Winter World Cup, but obviously sure. stayed on so long, and he you know he was the guy who didn't uh, do well at integrating uh, young players in the team and. Um, didn't have the you know wouldn't wouldn't uh, sideline the guys that won him the World Cup. Um, what they say about Hansi Flick is that he uh, can relate to players no matter what their background. Uh, you know, the the it's kind of like the Deschamps example in France, who uh, was terrific with uh, young players, and you can imagine the kind of cultural differences between um, some of the players, whether it's in France or Germany, who are on the younger side you know, culturally, um, you know, different by age and also by, you know, community and ethnicity to some extent. Um, and he apparently knows how to relate to them. Uh, you know, coaches tend to have a honeymoon period uh, and um, certainly his is incredible. I mean, he's got been the most success, the best, the, the best start of a German coach in history. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's working out pretty well there. Um, 
And when you consider how bad they were at the 2018 World Cup. You know, and Mike, it reminds me, though, that, you know, you have these great players that have won World Cups. And but the one thing is a lot of these games, they're for the young players. It's played at a a higher rate of speed and, um, you know, a lot of games within a certain period of time. And that's been an an age old uh, problem with national team coaches. You, You understand why he keeps with these great players that are playing well in their domestic leagues or around the world. But. You, you know, come to World Cup qualifying and stuff um, or the Euros, it's it's very different. It's at a higher rate of speed. And I think for the United States, ha- having such young players actually helped us. And so um, I could see that with Germany, obviously. You know, how do you fold in the new players and age out the old guys when they're, well, they're great it, players? The, you know? the, the European Cup was, I mean, the European Championship for Germany, the last one was, uh, you know, the, the, he kept guys on the bench who, who had done well as subs Mm-hmm. You know, these young players, he just wouldn't play them. And it, and it made no sense um, where, you know, it's a good transition. What's kind of neat about uh, the German team right now is that, you know, they're, they're scoring goals and buckets, which is which is always nice to see when yeah. they're suffering through one goal, zero, zero games and seeing a team that just all out attack, you know. All right. So what do we look forward to now? The next round of games with the U.S. team. Um, what do we have? Three games in a f- seven-day period or six-day period or something i don't know exactly but um they're in good shape canada's at the top of the list uh u.s then i think mexico and panama are are uh, tied so um this this should be interesting yeah and it'll be neat to to follow the the mls playoffs um you know in between that um i think it's going to be real i think that's going to be a lot of fun um you know it, it seems like it's been a long season and um you know, the, the, these games are going to be interesting and we'll see some of the younger players that have been doing well and see how they do in the, in, in, in the playoffs. You know, I, I think MLS is, you know, consistently gets, gets better and better and more entertaining and, um, and, 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 and the playoffs, I think will will show that when maybe more people tune in, uh, yeah. you know, to watch MLS. And we're all coming out of our COVID haze. So, uh, <laughs> Hey, guys, so you guys had some questions you wanted to ask Mike. Uh, did we get to everything, or is there something you want to ask him before we let the young man go? I do yeah, want to ask. I do want to yeah, ask. Go ahead. Thing. Sorry, Grail. I'll just no, you ahead. go, Sam. Um, yeah, I you know, I watched the uh, Canada-Mexico game, which was on free TV, uh, and saw the highlights <laughs> of um, the USA-Jamaica game. And I, I continue to be a little shocked sometimes at the level of officiating in CONCACAF games uh, in terms of how different it is when watching like the European qualifiers, for example, in terms of how much they let go. Uh, And I just wondered what your take was, again, if you had to kind of give these CONCACAF refs you've seen across this whole qualifying, you know, uh, stage. Yeah, it's a little harder to compare now because of, of VAR. I think there has been too much made up of like this whole thing about getting conquered and stuff, because yeah. I guarantee you, if you hang out with someone in Europe, they're going to complain about the refs. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. There's referee controversies at world cups and European championships. The last European championship I think was exceptional and that, um, you know, the refereeing was uh, overall pretty praised, but in the past, you know, I mean, the, the, the world cup before that, it was like, you know, every few games, people were saying there's something atrocious. Um, I do agree that there was is too much leniency. I, I looked up the yellow cards and I thought there should have been way more. 
It's a huge problem in soccer that uh, persistent fouling isn't uh, punished. That's a yellow mm-hmm. card. It says it yeah. right there. Uh, although they don't, they, they don't define it well enough to make it easy for the refs to do. Um, you know, to foul someone who is who is in the midst of a promising attack, supposed to be a yellow. It says it right there. Now, both times Pulisic got fouled, definitely promising attack. He cut into the middle, beat a guy, got fouled, and he wasn't that far away, right? Mm-hmm. It was one of those fouls players know they're probably not going to get a, red, a yellow card because I think they were about 35 yards out. Um, that's going to happen anywhere. Um, so I guess my, I, I guess I would say, yeah, I do think maybe the CONCACAF reps are um, maybe more lenient than in some other areas, but um, it's a soccer problem, you know, that um, these kind of fouls aren't punished with yellow cards and um, I think one thing VAR does is it enables, it, it's a good backup for something mm-hmm. like that, you know, um, where like the, there certainly should have been a red card in the Mexico game, right? I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the Aronson eyeball thing, uh, you know, that's what <laughs> the ref was right there too, wasn't he? The ref was yeah. like, like, like the ref could not have gotten right. closer to that, right? right? Well, that was a sneaky one though, because he, you know, had his hand on the guy's head, and it looked like he was just kind of, you know, uh, stabilizing himself, and then just did a little eye. But he did like but, twice too, and it didn't yeah, make any sense. Yeah. I don't even understand what he's trying to do there. Well, he feigned that he was reaching out to almost help him, and then gouged him. <laughs> so there, I think for Aronson, so yeah, a choir boy too. So I think uh, it, you know, it's unfortunate. And then the Jamaica game, I thought there were a couple of tackles. The two feet were up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah Absolutely. There was one really reckless tackle where the guy came in with both feet up. He left the ground and almost. Yeah. I can't remember who it was on, but it it could have easily been a red card. Yeah, I think soccer needs to come up with something um, as a alternative to the red card and playing with a uh, player short because. Referees are uh, try not to give red cards. Right. right. What do you what do you suggest? Like a ten minute off or something like that? Like a penalty? Box yeah, you could piece? do ten minutes off and then allow a substitution. Um, yeah. You could. Uh, how about every red card's a penalty kick? You know. Yeah. Wow. You might you We're might want to also distinguish between different kinds of cards, right? Why should um, you know? You, should the descent be punished as much as? Uh, almost breaking someone's leg, uh, you know. Uh, probably, it's a major problem with soccer that it, that IFAB these these guys and live in a cave in, in you know Britain somewhere, um, almost never do anything to improve the game. Where in American sports, um, you know, when it, when the season's over, they get together and they say, "Hey, what what do we need to do? What can we make? The, how can we protect the quarterback? Or how can we make it more exciting?" There's too you know there's there's too many hits or there's too few. Um, there's so many things that soccer needs to look at to make it, uh, you know, all you have to do is look at the scoring trends over the years and it's become harder and harder and harder, but mainly I think the safety of the players and, uh, you know, I don't want to see a bunch of fouls. It's ridiculous. Right. And I think that, uh, that great Britain Britain player in a cave that you were talking about wrapped in a union, Jack, that doesn't (laughs) want any changes made is Grail Hallett. Gentlemen. (laughs) No, I was was just going to say, I think VAR has really helped with, um, those types of red card offenses if the ref misses it they you know they uh, take a look and give them the alert to go take another look at it and a, f- a few times this season guys have been red carded after the fact yeah and i also one thing that's hard to measure two things that are hard to measure in var is one they they assess stuff that they don't stop the game for right so they, mm-hmm. but also the deterrence factor right like oh. an off the ball foul right uh, 
in the old days was easy as you, you know it be, exactly. wasn't that hard to stick an elbow in someone when all you had to do is make sure that the ref was looking the other way and the ar probably not going to see it anyway so i do think there's a deterrence factor that must be going on uh especially with the off the ball stuff that the, the the var not being used in Concacaf apparently is because some of the stadiums uh aren't equipped for the technology and that CONCACOF doesn't have enough um, VAR, trained VAR refs. So um, one thing that's kind of neat about those that you can, <laughs> when people say, oh, well, they hate VAR and then they watch CONCACOF and they say, well, where's VAR? Right. <laughs> exactly. And Taylor Twelman talked about it incessantly. Oh, so yeah. it was uh, over and over. But I, I think I like you know, look, it's one of the reasons I stopped play, playing on Sundays, you know, with the, for some money because it was like crazy shit was happening off the ball. So I love these games. Like that Mexico player, who was it? I forget it was Gonzalez on the outside. He, um, that I gouged Aronson. I think like that should be, uh, da- you know, they go back, they look at the videotape. Yeah, retroactive. Like, retroactive. Like what were you doing there? And you're yeah. suspended for the next game. Just because you get away with it on the pitch, you know. And maybe he wouldn't have done it if he knew VAR was. Right. Yeah. Right, right. So, uh, all right, Mike. Well, it was great to get caught up with you, the world traveler. Uh, you went with the family as well, huh? Yeah, my wife and I uh, had, had a nice uh, couple of weeks of eating some of the greatest food in the history of the world. And, oh, my goodness. And the soccer culture, you know, you're walking around and you stop for a top bus and you watch like the little bit of the Real Madrid game. And, uh, you know, they have oh, like wow. they, Barcelona had eight, uh, I believe it had eight sports dailies. Yeah, <laughs> really? It, it was like an old school. I mean, it was like being in a, you, you wake up in the morning, you go to the newsstand and there's a bunch of newspapers. You pick up some newspapers and stuff and they're really high quality and, you know. Good stuff. Is, there, is there a collection of better looking people in the world, Mike, than in Barcelona? <laughs> Barcelona is well, a fantastic place. Uh, yeah, just great. And, um, you know, the, the, the it's fun watching kids play soccer on the street. And it's just, a, you know, terrific, um, uh, I just you know, terrific place to be if you like soccer and good food. Can't, can't wait till that happens here till 24 uh, seven kids. Uh, I would still see kids walking with a soccer ball, but then they have it in their hands. I'm like, put it on the ground boys <laughs> and girls. So, uh, all right, Mike, Wartola, senior editor at soccer America. We love having you on. We appreciate it. Thanks for going over the uh, world cup qualifiers with us and all else. Welcome back to the States. Feel the heartbeat, baby. We'll talk to you next time. On over the my ball. pleasure. Thanks so much. All right, always great to talk to Mike Wartola. Uh, Sam, I didn't get a chance to ask Mike about European qualifying. Uh, the Italians, the Portuguese, geez, people are struggling. What do you what do you think of your uh, Azuri? Yeah, so they're they finished second in their group, and they now go into this playoff, which is really interesting. And I, I didn't know about this till about a week ago. But the the twelve teams that are in the playoffs, the ten group runners up and two from the Nations League, play these these three final fours essentially. Uh, and they're one game each. So, uh, you know, now to get through, you have to win the semifinal and the final of your little mini group. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously in Italy, there's concern and some, uh, you know, people are just kind of baffled at how they've gone from winning the Euro so convincingly uh, and playing so well to mm-hmm. being where they are now. I mean, the the biggest problem has kind of been the one that Italy somehow managed to paper over at the Euro, and that's that they don't have a consistent goal scorer. Um, Immobile was out for this last round of games, which was not helpful. Um, and yet, all this being said, uh, Jorginho, who you know well, Grail certainly, mm-hmm. uh, you know he missed a penalty in the first yeah. game against Switzerland, which is the team that eventually won the qualifying group that finished zero zero. 
and he missed a stoppage time penalty in the second game. Had he sunk either of those, Italy uh, would have won the group. So, uh, you know, it's not so bad. There's very, so there's very there's very fine margins. Um, and, and and Sam, he looked so there was a, a, a period there where he was so automatic taking penalties. It was like you never, ever thought he was going to miss a penalty. And then he's walked. Mm-hmm. He's missed, I think, a total of three. Well, if you back up to months. if you yeah. back up to the World Cup final, he had a chance to win uh, the penalty shootout against England, and he missed it. So yeah, he's That's not right. been the, the most consistent. The teacher. Italians with that World Cup uh, penalty kicks, uh, legendary. So uh, and then also Portland teeter, uh, Portland's teetering on the brink. Ronaldo was in tears after they lost to Serbia two one. So they also they have to come up big, um, and I guess they go to the playoffs too. Sam. Yep. Yeah. So. I mean, I it'll be, it'll know, be dramatic. It'll be fun to watch. For I sure. mean, as a fan, though, as a fan, even though I'm not a big Ronaldo fan, I want Ronaldo in the World Cup. I think the fact that Alonde will not be in the World Cup because I mean, not be a Ronaldo out. fan. It's I just too bad. No, but I mean, but I'm also saying like Holland uh, is like one of the up and coming great players. Right. Not being in the World Cup is disappointing, too. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And uh, Pulisic was so upset about not being in the last World Cup, as were we. So, yes. Uh, what did you think of the uniforms? They got uh, this. They have a new Nike contract, right? They re-signed Grail. Yeah. So U.S. Soccer has essentially been with Nike, or Nike's been with U.S. Soccer since 1995. They just signed a new 10-year deal. It replaces the deal that's expiring next year, and it's. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Uh, the deal accounted for 23 million dollars in revenue, which is about 17 percent of U.S. Soccer revenue. So it's a, it's a great partnership for both, and I think. I think from a branding perspective, most most fans just link Nike and the U.S. Uh, is that for the men and, the and women, team. by the way? Yeah, it's for both. You know, and that's another thing. They should make a separate contract for the women and the men so that there's no disparity on what how they will divide the uh, the income. You know, that's, it makes more sense to have the same. Yeah, you don't want to break up. Have two uh, or why not? Because look at what's going yeah. on there. Everybody's complaining about unequal pay. It's like, go get your own deal and see what it's worth. See what the market will bear. Okay. You know, all right. I know you're the media guy. You're the, uh, you know, the business guy, but come on. I, I tell dick jokes for a living. I, I'm, um, I'm assuming they're both getting a fair cut. That's would be my assumption. So, so speaking of Nike, I, I wanted to bring this up for a while now. I think it started this summer where we had the U S gear, where you just have States written, um, yeah. you know, where the, the logo would be, uh, historic retro looking a little bit. Yeah. yeah. A little retro. Um, and I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. The the only time I've ever heard anyone refer to the United States simply as states without the the before um, is in England. You know, if you, for example, hear someone ask, where are you going on holiday? They would just say states. I've never heard an American just refer to the U.S. as states. You may say the states very rarely. Right. So I I don't know. I find it a little bit confusing and a little bit like, again, we're borrowing too heavily from this British soccer tradition, but maybe you guys feel catchy. I think it's catchy and different. Yeah. And they're just looking for another reason to sell another new different shirt. That yeah. And, and the, the state, I, I feel like the states and Sam, you've lived abroad as have I, the states is pretty common for a lot of, for anybody who lives outside of the United States, they just say the states. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they say the state. The they yeah, do that's say what, that's the what Sam's point is. They, yeah. No, they do mm-hmm. say the states. There's no doubt about that. But I think they again. I think it's Nike just trying to come up with a different look. Different stuff, you know? Yeah, another T-shirt they can sell. 
All right. So good stuff, boys. Anything else before we get going here? Yeah. So just props to uh, Coach Jake, Martin Jacobson. His uh, MLK High School captured their 19th um, PSAL public school athletic. Well, like 19 athletic out of like 23 19 years. 19 since 96. Yeah. So I was out in the blustery uh conditions of randall's island this past monday night it was a little chilly out there uh i've played out there my whole life so i know that routine but uh yeah they were they were down one nil and came back with four goals ended up winning four two and i said as i've said to you guys before you know there are four or five guys on that team who could be playing college soccer right now yeah that's how good they are and it's, it's a great story i was literally probably one, there was maybe 1% of the entire crowd there was uh, white. So nice. it was a very diverse, oh, cool. passionate, wonderful. It was, it was fantastic being there. I loved it. And I'm so happy for coach Jake. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. You're talking about the weather back there. I'm out in LA now and like it, the weather's just really nice every day. And here we are in November. And I think like, I remember playing ball, you know, UMass or playing down in Boston or Harvard or Yale, you're playing in these tight, is a you know uh, astroturf with just in the cold or on like a concrete on a shitty frozen field, and I just I, I can't believe uh, we're able to develop as much as you can uh, uh, because boy, out here there's grass constantly and it's nice oh, yeah. and uh, just the that's why Florida and and California produce so many players or places where it's warm. So, all right, boys, uh, that's all the time we have today on Over the Ball. I'd like to thank our guest, senior editor at Soccer America, Mr. Mike Wojtola. It's always great getting caught up with uh, with Mike. For Sam Griswold and Grail Hallett, I'm Kevin Flynn, and we'll talk to you next week. Again, as always, on Over the Ball. <laughs>